Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 10th of March, 2023, as the Flyers fall. And what I'm sure is a very frustrating game for the players. They played well. They hung in there with a really good team, a really deep team. Second best team in the NHL, one nothing final. But when you don't score a goal, that's particularly even more difficult. So there's none of those celebration moments within the game either. And you come out of the game with a one nothing loss. Now, there's some good things to take away from the game. As they get outshot in the game 29-19, to they took uh, 10 penalty minutes to just four for Carolina. You know, the odd thing is, is, you know, in the first period, Carolina goes on the power play three times. They score. The only goal of this game comes on the first power play they get when Kevin Hayes was called for holding on Brent Pesci and Shvetskov gets the goal on a real nice play, kind of a Brent Burns to Martin Natchez to uh, just putting it on a tee for Shvetskov, who's able to beat Felix Sandstrom, and that's it. But Felix Sandstrom, let's start there with this game because I thought he was really impressive. A, because he, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, Felix Sandstrom has played two games in the calendar year 2023. He played a game back on the 22nd of January, and he played a game on the 12th of February. Last night was the 9th of March. So basically, over two and a half months, two games, he had his job taken away when Sam Harrison came up and became the backup goaltender. And you know, not being in games, you can't simulate it. The team doesn't practice with the full team very often. There's an all-star break in there as well. He just hasn't gotten a lot of time and scrimmage and compete time or anything to stay sharp with his gameplay. But he was very sharp in the game. And couple that with the fact that you give up a goal two minutes into the game when Svechnikov scores on that power play. And he compartmentalizes it, puts it in the rearview mirror, and battles his butt off the rest of the game. He makes 28 saves on 29 shots. Really impressive performance from Felix Sandstrom. Perhaps his best performance in the NHL. It's not, he's got the one win earlier this year back in early November against the St. Louis Blues where they won 4-1. to one, But that may have been his most impressive performance. Because he didn't let the goal bother him. He hasn't played a lot. And he just got in there and battled. He made every save he needed to make in the game, made a bunch that probably had no business making, holding a very good team who's 7th in scoring, 13th ranked power play, very deep team, has some good high-end talent with Shvechnikov, Aho, and others, Brent Burns, and gave his team a chance. Now, the unfortunate thing is, is that the Flyers didn't generate nearly enough offense. Look, they're shorthanded in the game. They had to make a couple of call-ups under emergency emergency conditions, uh, bringing up Elliot Denoyer to play his third NHL game and the first NHL game for Tyson Forster. Forster comes into that game, played about two and a half minutes in the first period because the Flyers are on the PK the whole time. Not the whole time, about five. I think they were on the PK for five minutes and 40 seconds in the first. And he played two and a half minutes in the first period. Now, the reason why he doesn't get more ice time in that period is because he's on a line with Scott Lawton and also with Noah Cates, who happen to be the team's top two penalty killers when Travis Konechny's out. So those guys are getting ice time. And he's not going to, John Tortorella is not going to 
put him on a different line. He kind of wants to keep some synergy with his lines together. So the byproduct of that is very little ice in the first period in your NHL debut for Tyson Forster. But through the rest of the game, he played about 11 and a half minutes throughout the rest of the game and finished just under 14 minutes of ice time, had three block shots, some shots on goal, was out there in key situations, made a very key block in the second period on a shot, probably preventing a Carolina goal. And John Tortorella got him out there at the end of the game, felt very comfortable with the way he played in that game, was not panicked, didn't look like the the game was too fast or was overwhelming to him at all. I thought that Tyson Forster came out and showed that, hey, I'm really close to being a full-time NHL player. I'm I'm darn near ready. He's gotten bigger, too. He looks bigger and stronger in board battles. So that was a very encouraging sign. He's not going to stay here the rest of the year. It's more important for him to go back down the Lehigh Valley, help that team get into the playoffs and go on a playoff run. That's more important to his long-term development. But he's a guy that I thought that shown very well in his NHL debut. And you guys have heard when I have players on, young players, I ask them all the time what getting a couple of games did for an off-season of training to come back and be a full-time NHLer going forward. And they all say the same thing. It's it's a mountain of data, a mountain of experience that they can take into the offseason, knowing what it feels like to play in the NHL, what that, you know, the, the board battles are like with the best players in the world that are big men and strong and all of that. And it's really important and it really helps a player prepare uh, that offseason for making the jump from the AHL or wherever they're coming from to the NHL. So uh, I thought it was real good that Tyson Forster got in there. We'll see if he's in there this weekend. The Phantoms do have three and three this weekend, so good chance that he gets sent back to the Phantoms for that. But we'll see how it plays out the remainder of this season. The two guys that couldn't go, and the reason why Denway and Forster were called up on emergency conditions were that Wade Allison and Brendan Lemieux were banged up. And you couple that with Tony D'Angelo, who's got the two-game suspension for the spearing incident uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning and Corey Perry. So able to call those guys up on emergency conditions, and we'll see kind of where it goes uh, from here. Flyers, are that was the middle game yes, last night of this three-game road trip, 5-2 loss against Tampa, one nothing loss against Carolina. They'll wrap up the road trip Saturday at 3.30 in Pittsburgh uh, against the Penguins. But some good things to take out of this game. I really, really liked the battle of Felix Sandstrom. I really liked the play of Tyson Forster. I thought some other guys had some real good games as well. Scott Lawton had a glorious chance in the third period when he picked the pocket of Brent Burns. But Kachekov came flying out of his net and just took all the net away. Lots ended up shooting it wide. Uh, but that's because Kachekov saw the turnover real early and got out of his net and made the net real small behind him. Didn't show any net to Lawton. And now you're trying to be pinpoint accurate and he just misses the net. And Kachekov only 19 saves for the shutout. He was good in the game. And he's a guy that, uh, another one of these Russian goaltenders, really good with the stick, playing the puck, poke checks, uh, really good, young, confident goaltender, scored a goal in the American League. Uh, So he's confident playing the puck. And you saw him on a couple of the PK opportunities in the third period where the Flyers are on the power play where he'll get that puck and he'll fire at the length of the ice. And that's a huge, huge weapon uh, for those goaltenders that can play the puck and play it well, kind of like Shesterkin does 
He's another one that's very good at it. And there's been guys over the years that have been very good at it. Pekka Rene was a real good puck handler uh, in recent NHL time. Ben Bishop was a very good puck handler. Carey Price, supreme puck handler as a goaltender. So uh, that can be a weapon for a team as well. And Kachetkov showed that element of his game off against the Flyers as well. So Flyers go down one nothing. Let's hear from the head coach after the game his thoughts on the Flyers' one nothing defeat against the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, goals are scarce tonight, but a lunch pail game there, 22 blocks, three of them from your debut guy. You yeah. this team pretty well yeah. overall. We're learning, learning how to be patient in a game. When you don't score, you you got to play with some patience and uh, hope you get good goaltending. I, those two things I thought we got. How, I guess, not relieving, but reassuring was it to know that you know, Felix, who's had his struggles this year, can come out after a fairly long layoff and deliver a performance like that. Yeah, he, he, the, the difference from this game from all his others, as far as I'm concerned, he made every save and uh, uh, gave us a chance. I thought he was outstanding. Offensively, this is one of the best teams in goals against in the league. I guess how, how challenging was it to try to penetrate them and, and get something? It's going? a challenge period for us offensively. We all know that. With regards to, uh, you know, I guess controlling the puck, was there, were there more opportunities to be aggressive, to try to win pucks back, or is it just that this is a team that you have to take advantage of the few opportunities you have? No, we, we have to, uh, again, we have to be patient. Uh, we've got to be simple. Uh, we've got to be above the puck and wait for our opportunities. And, uh, um, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you. We, we just we don't make enough plays. We haven't made enough plays, and we probably won't the rest of the year. So we have to play uh, above it, wait for our opportunities, hopefully get some good forechecking, and hopefully bang some in. You got Tyson some power play time. You had him out there at the end, uh, early returns on, on his debut. Pl- played very well. I thought he was one of the better players with the puck, uh, with poise with the puck. Uh, so that uh, his first game. Against a top team like this, it's encouraging, and uh, I, I do. I thought he was one of our better players offensively. You talked about after last game about not being able, you know, not not being able to take those kind of penalties in the first period. Today, you take three in the first period again. But did it feel different? Were they they less frustrating to you this time? Yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure. A couple of them were penalties. It, um, I know Kevin has his hand on him. The tripping one, I just don't, or whatever they called it when it was uh, in his skate, I just don't understand that one. And what was I, I forget. It, but there's no, there's no sense of us where we, we just got to try to stay disciplined. Uh, the biggest key we always talk about is just checking with your legs moving. I, I think if your legs move and you're trying to check, it keeps you away from stick fouls, holding fouls, and all that. And uh, two really big kills, you know, again, uh, taking, taking the three in the first. To keep us there, I thought Sandy made a couple big saves on the penalty kill. Uh, but we just have to get better. We're, we're you know, we, we need that recipe of maybe just taking one when we're playing against top teams and we're just struggling scoring goals. All right, there he is, Flyers head coach John Tortorella addressing the media after the game, after the loss, one nothing against Carolina. Flyers will wrap up the three-game road trip in Pittsburgh coming up on Saturday. Uh, real quick, before we get out of here on this episode, I wanted to bring up one thing. I wanted to look at one thing in this episode because, you know, we talk about the Flyers and we talk about the need for high-end talent, and they do. They need high-end talent. They need guys that can go out there and create on their own, score on their own, 
Without Travis Konechny in the lineup, they're really lacking that. Konechny's the only point-per-game player on the Flyers team in 52 games, 54 points. And when you look at Carolina, you know, they're a team that doesn't have a ton of these game-breakers as well. Natchez is their leading scorer with 59 points on the season. He's done that in 62 games, 25 goals, 34 assists. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, probably the most skilled player. He's a point-per-game player, 55 games, 55 points, 27 goals, 28 assists. Shvechnikov, 54 points in 62 games. Brent Burns has got 50 and 62 on the blue line. Tara Vinen, 33 points in 52 games. So they don't have this super high-end, you know, 80, 90, knocking on a 100-point player on their team. And when you look at their salary cap, you kind of go, okay, let's, you know, are these guys getting paid a ton of money? Well, their highest paid player is Sebastian Ajo, who makes $8.46 million for this year and next. And then he'll be an unrestricted free agent. He's going to get paid after that. Shvechnikov is locked up all the way through 27-28 at $7.75 million. Uh, Jordan Stahl, been around forever, 34 years of age, $6 million. Tara Vinen's making 5.4. They signed Kakanyemi to that extension at 4.82. Martin Natchez is making three. He still is under control even through next year, where he'll be an RFA after the 23-24 season. You look at their blue line, they got Slavin at 5.3 for two more years after this. Brent Burns at 5.28. There's some retained salary in that trade, and they got him for two more years. Um, Brady Shea makes 5.2. So nobody making this huge, huge amount of money. And they're the second best team in the NHL. And when I look at them, I say, is that the way a team like the Flyers, who is devoid of high-end talent, can move up the ladder? Now, you'd like to draft all the way at the top of the draft and grab a guy like Connor Bedard who's got better numbers in his draft-eligible year than Connor McDavid did in his draft-eligible year. Let me give you some numbers on Bedard real quick, just because I saw this online, and I think this is pretty good. In McDavid's draft-eligible season, through 47 games played, he had 44 goals, 76 assists, 120 points. We know what McDavid has become at the NHL level. A freak show. (laughs) Um, The skating, the whole thing. He could knock it on 150 points this year. He does it year in and year out. Connor Bedard, in this his draft-eligible draft year, in 47 games played, has 59 goals, 64 assists, and 123 points. Three more than McDavid had in 47 games. He's got—we know how McDavid can just fill up the net and score goals. McDavid had 44 goals. Bedard's got 59 McDavid had 76 assists, Bedard has 64. But again, Bedard, three more points, 123 through 47 games to McDavid's 120. Now, obviously, you'd like to get that. (laughs) That's absurd, just absolutely absurd numbers. But if you're not drafting number one or even number two, and you can get players high in a draft and they become Ajos or Shvechnikovs, is that the way to build it? Because the other team that I look at, I mean, we can obviously look at Edmonton and Dreisaitl and McDavid and, you know, they had Taylor Hall. They drafted Neil Yakupov number one. They drafted Ryan. We can look at that and we know what the Edmonton Oilers are. But I look at a team 
like Toronto, who's got three players making more money than Sebastian Ajo. Austin Matthews makes 11.6, Tavares makes 11, and Mitch Marner makes $10.9 million. That team hasn't gotten out of the first round. And while those three players, Matthews, Tavares, and Marner, are great, they're eating up so much cap, they can't do what Carolina does. And the reason why Carolina is so good is because they're a complete team. The Toronto Maple Leafs have some great players and are fun to watch in regular seasons, but they're not a complete team. And to win the cup, you got to be a complete team. Now, I may eat my words. Maybe Toronto goes on a run and they win the Stanley Cup. I don't know. But when you have three players making that kind of dough, I mean, even Morgan Riley on their blue line at 29 years of age is making 7.5. On Carolina, if he's on that team, he's the highest paid defenseman and he's the third highest paid player. And he's just a little below... Shvechnikov, 250000 per year. So what's the better way to build? Is it the Carolina Hurricane model? Or is it the Toronto Maple Leaf model? Canes have been a really good team, one of the top teams in the NHL for a few years now. Is that the team you want to model after? One thing the Flyers do have, you know, social media tell you everything is horrible. It's not, not everything's horrible. Flyers do have goaltending. Flyers do have a lot of NHL players. They just lack game breakers. Now, the game breakers are the hardest ones to get and the hardest ones to develop. you got to draft at the top of the draft most times to get them. That being said, is the model to emulate more like the Carolina Hurricanes or more like a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs? I don't know. To me, I look at that and I go, I think... If I'm betting my money, I think I'm betting my money that, you know, a team like Carolina is going to have more success. I mean, they get Sebastian Ajo 35th overall in the second round. That's their best player. So just something to think about. All right, Flyers will be back in action tomorrow to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll preview that tomorrow. But in the meantime, everybody enjoy your Friday. Get set for the weekend, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily. (laughs) 